just a star, mate. Clearly on top for me. Arcadia Queen is running on. 200 to go. Russian Camelot has a race. Arcadia Queen coming at Russian Camelot. Russian Camelot, Arcadia Queen. Arcadia Queen, first look at 2000, is going to turn over Russian Camelot. Arcadia Queen, a link to the quarter. Russian Camelot. I remember watching it back to them. This bike might be pretty smart, I reckon. Savannah Hood, the Leonard Sun, goes for the lead at the 200 metres, puts out a length and a half, two lengths, Vasilina, and extends the Autumn Sun, three or four lengths in front, a serious racehorse, the Autumn Sun, blazes in spring, bumps in six lengths. G'day legends, uh, back for another episode of the Second Again podcast, uh, obviously joined by great man Jacko. Um, we had a pretty good day on the pun on the weekend as well, which was nice, tipped a few few winners at Eagle Farm, didn't we mate? Yeah, absolutely, Star Tonte's massive result, we had a winner in the first as well and a nice little placing early on in the day, so pretty good to be up and running this time of year, it's pretty tough, there's not a lot going on, but um, yeah, I think we can just chip away before the spring. For sure. We've um we've been really lucky actually the last couple of weeks. We've had a few guests on. We had Tommy Berry on a couple of weeks ago. We had Brody Loy as well, who was a ripper last week. And we've got a bloke who's he's a he's a superstar over in the West at the moment, riding on those gravel tracks over there. Um he's 25. He's ridden over a 900 career wins now, which is just an insane amount for a young jockey. Look, within that, he's, he's ridden a group a group one winner as well, where he broke his maiden in 2020 on, on Truly Great. Mate, we call you the King of the West on this show. How are you, Chrissy? Yeah, not too bad. How are you guys going? Yeah, we're going well, mate. We're going really well. Um, look, you've had a full book of rides today as well. Um, how, how'd you go for the day? How'd you find it? Um, oh, it's not too bad. I, I rode a couple of winners. Um, few places as well, but actually found myself in a bit of trouble with the steward room, so um, looks like I'll be benched for a week. Uh, don't know when I'm starting it, but yeah, so I got eight days suspension, which is a little bit frustrating, but these are, these are the things that happen as a jockey, so yeah. All, all part and parcel of the game, mate. Maybe just put the feet up for, for a week or so, have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, probably, but... Oh, look, I was, I was probably a little bit sniffing at times, to be honest. I didn't think I deserved it, but at the end of the day, um, it's what happens. I haven't got suspended since July last year, so, uh, you know, it's probably, I was probably due. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, let's just say, stewards aside, mate, what's a what's a good day for Chris Parnham? We spoke to Tommy Berry a few weeks ago, and he, he mentioned just giving his mounts every opportunity and making sure the focus is on that, not so much the numbers. Is there something like a metric that you hit each week or, you know, over the course of the season that you, you're trying to hit? Yeah, I'm definitely kind of a numbers man. Like, I like to reach a certain number of winners throughout a season, um, and that works into a month and a week and a meeting, so... You know, like if I left the races without a winner, I probably, you know, I feel like I haven't done my job properly or, you know, sometimes it's not your fault, but sometimes it's, you think, oh, gee, it would have been nice to get a winner. So um, if I've left the meeting with a winner, I'm generally pretty happy. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you, you want to give your mounts every chance and it's not possible to give every single horse you ride every chance um, in every race, but you try and do your best you can, but... Um, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work, sometimes it does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's 
there's something we should tell you, and this is going to sound a little bit weird, but we're going to roll with it anyway. So on this podcast, we have a segment that's called the best Western and it's essentially called the best Parnham. Like, let's be honest, Jacko, it's called the best Parnham. So we pick out a horse every week over in the West on those gravel tracks and we try and find a winner for our, for our followers. Now I know how much this must mean to you be, to be part of the best Western. Um, are you a chance of coming over to Sydney for a few rides? I know it's something that you haven't done a lot of, but are you a chance of getting over here? Oh, mate, um, I don't know. The right opportunity would have to present itself. I I did do a very small stint. Uh, I think it was back in 2014 when I was an apprentice. I went over to Gay and just things didn't work out. I was only there for a month and I ended up breaking my wrist uh, in afternoon work there. And, um, you know, what Gay's like, she's a bit, she's a bit of a um, hard taskmaster. No doubt about that. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I, I always watch Sydney racing and Melbourne racing and obviously spend a lot of time in Melbourne. But, um, yeah, I would like to come over, but it's not easy, you know. Like, you have to come over and be given the right opportunities. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's when We've obviously seen Willie Pike come over here, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. We've got a few ripping questions for you on that too. Um, you've been riding since you were 15, which when you speak to a 25-year-old, it seems crazy to think that you've been riding in the ranks for 10 years. But I want to take you back. So Anok at Pinjara, is it Anok? Is that how I say it? Um, for your old man, that was your first ride. Can you? Was it too long ago? Or can you walk us through sort of the feelings of having your first ride, riding for your old man and just coming through the ranks as an apprentice? <laughs> well, actually, to to be honest with you, I had two rides on my first meeting and I not was actually my second ride. So my first ride was an horse called Fabulistic. Um, that was obviously the same meeting, but a few races prior. And he actually gave me my first winner about a month later. So uh, he was obviously a pretty special horse to me. Uh, he was a bloody gentleman of a horse. You know, he was so quiet. He, didn't, he wasn't uh, blessed with a lot of talent, but he rode me in my first race ride and my first winner, so I'll always remember him for that. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And obviously trained by your old man as well, and he's obviously had a huge impact on you. He trains a, a massive horses and you still ride for him. How big of a, an impact has your old man had, had on you and your racing and your passion for racing? Oh, mate, yeah, look, it was obviously great to have my first ride for dad and first winner uh pretty fitting i guess because i started riding i was 15 so i was i was quite young but um i've been going the races and studying races and doing everything with horse racing before i can even remember so nothing in my life i've ever been interested in other than racing so that that, that all comes from dad so um, and obviously my two older brothers who I followed them that become a jockey but I was just very uh, intrigued by the sport from a young age um, you know following dad's horses and he taught me everything I know pretty much early on and uh, yeah that no, was great to sort of do everything for him for the first time now, Chris, you mentioned your two older brothers. Obviously, Steve and Brad, they're both two successful jockeys, both your older brothers. 
it's interesting to see uh, having your, your old man as the trainer and having three sons as jocks. Just want to know how the riding engagements come about. How does that get decided? Is there a bit of a suck up between the three years? Like, does someone take him out to dinner the, the week before and try and schmooze him a bit? Or how does that come about when he's got a fast one and he wants to pick one? Yeah, it's quite funny because every time, oh, not every time, but a lot of times I get interviewed for the first time by people, but that's one of the questions they ask or even people that you meet for the first time, they ask that question. But it's never been a drama for us. Like, um, something we never really think about. Steve does a lot of track work. He does, he's injured at the moment, but he does a lot more track work than Brad and myself. So, um he kind of gets probably most of the rides out of Dad's stable. But, you know, we still meet. Brad and I will go on a Tuesday and Saturday and, and you know, do gallops and whatnot. But most of our rides come from uh, what we do at the trials. So if we get on a horse at trials and ridden them in the trials and, you know, owners are, are happy with us, you know, we, we, we tend to sort of stay on those horses. Um, it doesn't always work like that. Like sometimes... You know, like I might ride a horse with their first prep and then the next prep I might get off it for whatever reason, ride someone else's horse and Brad jumps on and Brad wins on the horse and he, that might be his ride going forward. So, no, it's not. It's just, if there's never been a blue, it's just how it all works itself out there. Yeah, well, speaking of, speaking of picking up a few rides, we mentioned Willie Pike before. Obviously, he's, he's moved over to Sydney People are saying that it's a COVID vaccine thing. We're, we're pretty much convinced, mate, that the reason he's moved over was he, he saw you were rising up and you were going to be the big dog over there and take over all his rides. Or is there a bit of truth to that, do you reckon? I don't think so, mate, no. Um, yeah, Willie's obviously, he's had a pretty strong on his COVID stance from, from pretty early on. And I don't think it bothered him whether he was riding or not, like, it, it was more, that was his view on um, the vaccine, and he didn't he didn't want it no matter what, whether that injured his career or not, so I don't think they had anything, well, definitely had nothing to do with it, he's a world class <laughs> jockey, and don't he's lie, probably, don't lie to yeah, come on, Chrissy, with no, it, no, mate. That's, that's the truth, honestly, it is, and he yeah. is probably the, in my opinion, he's in the top two jockeys in the country, without a doubt. I, I don't know if he's got J-Mac measure, but he's, uh, I think he's better than the rest. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's good. Right, I want to ask you as well, you briefly touched on, uh, you know, a couple of stints in Melbourne um, back in 2015 and 2016. Obviously, you rode Kementari one day in a William Reed, and I want to ask you about a horse as well. I back one day, Malibu style for your old man. He's he was a beauty. He used to run up the straight up at Flemington. He, he always gave it a good crack and super consistent. He um he broke the stalls one day in a listed race that he actually ended up winning and was later sorted out in the stewards room, mate. I was on him that day at around elevens and twelves. So talk to us about that day and and whether you're you're considering maybe you know trekking back over to Melbourne at some point. Yeah, um, that particular day he. But he was a good old horse, you know, he had a lot of issues, he had speed issues and stuff, and that's why he went to Melbourne, because, um, you know, he was able to put into a different box with, um, well, he can do it first as well, but he just found it really good with his feet, uh, kind of think stuff he is over there, but it like the way that they're, they're not put in sand, they're put in um, shavings, that's the word, so 
So the shaving's really helped his feet and his rating got to a point where he was just about outweighed about, you know, out of everything in Perth, so, uh, except carnival time. So he went over there and he was able to race all the time. And he was a good horse, like, he was nowhere near the top level, uh, but he was a good listed group, group three kind of horse. Um, that particular day we broke the gate, I don't really um, recall that well what he was doing in the barriers, but I think he was quite bouncy and wanted to get on with the job. But what I do remember is when he did hit the barriers, like, he actually bounced backwards and he didn't get an unfair advantage. He just, he actually lost ground, if anything, because he hit the barriers so hard. Uh, but he was able to get the money that day and... Um, a little bit nervous afterwards because we had to go on the steward's room and it's kind of like a protest. You had to plead the case as to, you know, did my horse get an unfair advantage or not? And um, it's a little bit nerve-wracking for about 10, 15 minutes, but luckily um, the stewards were of the opinion that, uh, you know, he wasn't, un, you know, wasn't rewarded an unfair start and um, that- the whole thing stood. And that, that's a bit of an interesting one as well, Chris. I don't, I don't feel like a lot of the punters get a real view for what goes on in that steward's room. Is, do you, being, a, being a sort of uh, interstate jockey, you've come on over, you, you, you need this win. Do you jump in and sort of throw a bit of weight around in the steward's room? Is there a bit of politics going on? What, what sort of happens in there? Oh, not, not really. Like You kind of just go in there and you, you sort of you, you, you give your reasons why you think the horse wasn't afforded a, an unfair advantage start um, in that scenario. That's the only time I've ever been in that scenario. It was quite strange, to be honest. But, um, yeah, you just sort of go in there and say, you know, yeah, most of it, it's, all, it's all correct. You know, the horse actually lost the length at the start. He didn't. It's not like he broke the gates and jumped the length in front. He, he sort of hit the gates and, you know, lost the length and we'll just go on down that line and hoping that the stewards were sort of you know, happy to agree with us that, you know, he wasn't afforded an unfair advantage start. Yeah, fair enough. Got the chockies in the end as well, mate. Mate, you mentioned Special K before. He's he's a horse that's a bit of an enigma. Um, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast. I'm not sure if you know this stat, mate, but there was a thousand and one days in between two of his wins. In those thousand and one days, he was ridden by Hugh Bowman, Craig Williams, J Mac, who you mentioned before, Willie Pike as well. Uh, and Ryan Maloney. So some pretty big names in there. All of a sudden, the 23-year-old Chris Parnham jumps on and rides him in a group three over in WA and gets the chocolates, mate. So talk to us about how that horse felt on the day, the partnership you were able to build, and whether you believe in the hype of Special K. Oh, yeah, he was just a beautiful horse, you know. Like, I'm not used to, you know, riding like horses like him. Like, he was just an absolute magnificent animal to look at and to ride. Um, I rode him in, in the railway leading up to the that race, that group three race, and he didn't have much luck. He wouldn't have run, the, he wouldn't have won the race, but I think he should have run a fair bit closer. Um, you know, and I'd watched all of his replays, and I thought he was, you know, he'd run really well without winning a few races, and yeah, he just found the right race. And I didn't really do much. Horse was just too good for him on that day, and um, he's obviously gone on with it after that, and then. He's won a few more races, like group races, and he's just—he's he's probably not quite at the top top level anymore. But you know, he's just a really nice horse, and I was really fortunate to jump on him that day. 
There you go. One of the first, probably one of the first people in the whole country to say some really positive stuff about Kemantari. And you've got to, <laughs> you know what, you've got to agree with it too. Like the, the horse was like pretty much won a, a Caulfield Guineas that day when Mighty Boss went up the inside. Like the horse was a star. So it is refreshing to hear Chrissy. Um, in terms of asking questions to the guys that we've had on the last few weeks, we've, we've asked some things that we just get no insight into. And something that we want to know is, and especially over in WA, who are the pests in the jockey rooms, mate? Like, who needs a tongue tie genuinely? Yeah, um, Sean McGruddy probably does. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of him, but he's actually a real, real pest in the jockey's room, that guy. Um, Jason Brown, uh, he doesn't ride a lot anymore, but he's another one that's little bit of a pest and doesn't mind hanging shit on a few people but um yeah they're probably the biggest two there was another guy called Mitchell Payton who doesn't ride anymore but he was actually the he was the king of that he was the worst so but um yeah there's a few guys that would test yeah um we're just going to roll with a few rapid fire questions just to finish off mate we ask all of our guests and stuff these questions um we, we have this discussion a fair bit. Me and Jacko grew up, obviously, in both areas of these horses with Winks and Black Caviar, and you were probably similar to us, like, growing up marbling at the two. Have you got a pick of those two horses? Like, who's who sits at the top of the mantle for you? Oh, it's very tough, you know, like... Um, to be honest, it's, you know, like... When I was growing up as a kid, there was always something on Sky Channel all the time, and it used to. And it was a quote from Bart Cummings saying, "Champions don't deserve to be compared." And you know, like those two horses, like they they couldn't have done any more in their careers. Both, obviously, the best two horses I've ever seen, and I can't put one ahead of the other. Fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough, mate, fair enough. He's the first one that's sat on the fence. He's, he's politically correct, mate. <laughs> so, Chris, he want to ask you as well, you, 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 you know, mostly ride for your old man. You've had a couple of stints over in Melbourne and you mentioned an earlier stint with Gay in Sydney as well. Who gives a pretty good spray as a trainer? So who, who, who when you jump off the horse, he's just ready to go at you? Yeah, oh, look, I've popped a few off my old man in Sydney time. Um, <laughs> Haven't we all? Ten years in the saddle. Uh, yeah, so I probably got most of them from him, but um, I probably didn't really ride in Sydney long enough to pop a real big one from Gay. Jeez, uh, it's hard to remember. There's, there's been plenty over the years, but um, the, the ones that really do probably stick in my mind are, are the ones from the old man. So, uh, yeah, I think... People like um, Brent Williams has given me a few over my time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's probably, there are heaps of others, but I can't really think of Yeah, fair enough. Does does the old man sort of uh, take it easy on the younger son, or does he dish it out nice and even? Mate, uh, I would have to say that of the three of us, I probably do get the uh, most special treatment. So, <laughs> um I reckon I, I've had it a little bit easier than the other two in yeah. regards to sprays. But, uh, yeah, probably, yeah. 
Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Look, have you got a best memory at the track? We mentioned, obviously, truly great was that obviously breaking that maiden for the group one, just an awesome steer that day. One that comes to mind as well was that Perth Cup win on Nerf Bosk for your old man. Have you got a best sort of uh, either early or just, you know, highlight of your of your careers thus far? Um, oh, I'd say my first group one winner was uh, probably probably my best moment in the saddle. I mean, obviously, if you look at, you know, that that is that is the, the pinnacle of what we we try to achieve. But yeah, I've never had a better feeling than than winning a group one on that horse that day. Uh, but the win on Nerf Bosk, the Perth Cup, that was that was pretty good as well. So yeah, probably hard to split two, but. In the time, probably the group one. Looking back on it, you know, I was pretty you know, happy to be the first cup too. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. That's awesome. You, you seem like the ultimate professional. That's what. That's the way you come off, and you come come across as a guy that's really passionate as well. But we want to know this more than anything. You've had a massive day. You've ridden a group one. You've ridden a Perth Cup winner, something or other like that. You've had a massive day on the winning in the winning circle. What's the meal or drink of choice? How are you celebrating a big day at the track, mate? Oh, mate, if I had my choice, I would go to a pub and have a chicken parmigiana and probably eat it with um, a Diet Coke with lots of ice. And then once that's finished, I'll probably polish off a bottle of Shiraz. Yeah, nice. Keep it classy with the Shiraz. Yeah, love it. You oh, like a bottle of Shiraz, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm partial to an old cab saber of Shiraz. So now you're talking my language, Chrissy. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't mind a little Shiraz. So, yeah, that's now, probably mate, where I'd go with it. Yeah, fair enough. Now, mate, just looking ahead to Saturday, is it, so how is it looking as far as the suspension goes? Will that be delayed into sort of next week or when will you know? Oh, I haven't really made my mind up yet. So I can either take it after this Saturday coming or take it after next Wednesday. Um, there is also the option of appealing. So I haven't really, um, I'm going to sleep on it and, you know, make my decision probably tomorrow or the next day and okay. work out where I go from there. Yeah. Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. Well, hopefully you, you, you got all your engagements there ready to go on Saturday. And I want to ask you anyway, whether, whether you're there or not mate about a couple of them. So, We'll we'll head we'll look ahead to Saturday and there's a there's a bit of stakes racing out at Belmont uh, this week and I want to ask you first about the Velvet Queen and the Belmont Oaks. She's obviously been pretty faultless this prep without getting that kill, but she looks like she's going to be suited up in trip. Yeah, she's good filly. Um, probably very unlikely not to win one this prep. There was probably there was one particular race where she definitely should have won, and she ran second. Look, it yeah, it's just. She hasn't raced for a long time, and when I say a long time, I think it might be four or five weeks. And she's going to 2,000 metres, so you've really got to trust Darren McAuliffe that's, you know, she's he's got her back on track, and she's fit enough to run out the 2,000. She did have a few little issues. They could have been feet issues from memory, but, um, you know, if, if she's got the ability to, to sort of to, to win a race like this, but it's just whether she's had the right prep to get there. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully she's been prepared all good and, and she's ready to go. But yeah, definitely looks like a horse that should be suited up to the 2000. So see how we go. want to ask you about your ride in the first as well as Tech Rulos. It looks like a pretty nice two-year-old that's stepping out on debut. Won a couple of trials that you were on in both. 
Want to get your thoughts on that horse and, and whether you think it's ready to go first up? Yeah, I don't mind this horse. Um, like, it's, I, do, I do a lot of work on this horse. Like, I do all its gallops and, you know, all its, you know, even time and stuff. So, um, yeah, done it both its trials. It, it was pretty impressive in both, to be honest. But, you know, I'm expecting the Ford show and come Saturday. But the only thing I, I would say is I reckon he will be a better horse next preparation. So I'm not saying he can't win Saturday. I definitely think he's up to winning off his two trials. But I definitely reckon as a three-year-old, he'll see a better horse. Okay, fair enough. Well, sounds like we're not 100% stepping into these two horses from the punting side of things. Over the course of the day, mate, can you steer our, our loyal listeners into a into a sure thing on Saturday? <laughs> mate, other than those things you just mentioned, I don't even know if I've got an eye. <laughs> 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 that, that, you know what? You, you've just risen in our calculations now, mate, honestly. He, he'll just rock up on a Saturday. His agent will give him a buzz. Just give him the rundown and go out and ride five winners. That'll fucking do me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, dude, oh, what else have I got? I think a gun medal grade one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't even think of the rest of that. <laughs> so good, mate. Uh, just just follow, follow, me throughout the, follow me throughout the meeting. I should pick off one or two. <laughs> I'm sure you'll pick off a couple, mate. It's um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, mate. Really good to have a chat. Um, you, as we mentioned at the start of the show, you are literally you hold place as a segment in our show. So it's, I'm sure the listeners will be wrapped to have a listen, and it's been a real pleasure. Good luck on the weekend, and hopefully we don't see you on the sidelines at all. And you, if you do appeal, you you get off. Yeah, no, thanks, boys. Actually, just one more question: What does the gravel tracks mean? So there's a bit of a there's a bit of a run and joke, mate. I feel like Ned sort of just brushed past it, mate. We're not talking about WA in general. We're talking about Ascot specifically, mate. We feel like over here in Sydney that Ascot races for thirty weeks in a in a row with a couple of midweeks, and I'm sure there's track work going on during the week as well. And the the track is always a good four. We've come up with a theory, mate, that it's gravel, and someone's gone over with the old Dulux with the green paint. <laughs> Oh, okay, fair enough. I wasn't yeah. sure, but we don't get a lot of rain over the summer months, so um, maybe even the autumn months, not like you guys, you get torrential rainfall, but maybe that's why. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you asked, Chrissy, because if you were wondering, it means that most of our listeners are probably wondering as well what we're talking about. It was about. bugging me. It was bugging me. I needed to know. <laughs> fair enough. Well, good luck at one of the gravel tracks on the weekend, mate. It's been a pleasure to have you on. No, no worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Thanks, bye.